study this morning, Old Testament children. And what we'd like to do is to get a bird's eye view or an overview of, uh, of the great events and period of Old Testament history. Now, there are three great uh, sections of the Old Testament. One is history. Genesis through uh, Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Seventeen books. Those all are in chronological order. Uh, except Ezra and uh, Esther and Nehemiah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, so on, all in chronological order. And those books cover all the Old Testament period. So that Nehemiah 13 is the same chronologically as Malachi chapter 4. So when we study the Old Testament survey, we take those 17 books and string them out. Genesis through Nehemiah. Then, secondly, we come back and take the five poetical books. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Psalms. And we fit those books into that historical framework. Then we come back and take the 17 uh, prophetic books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the way through Malachi, and we fit those books into that same historical scheme. So we cover Genesis all the way to Nehemiah, from whenever Genesis 1 took place, all the way to about 430 B.C. Then we come back and put in Job, who was probably a contemporary of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. We put Job way back there. We put Psalms and uh, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, right here where, where we have the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom. Then we take the, red, the prophets and put them all right into here, beginning with the divided kingdom all the way through the exile. That is Isaiah all the way through Malachi. Malachi, Nehemiah 13 are contemporary. So what I want to do in this study uh, is, um, first of all, today, to give an overview of this whole section. And I have divided the Old Testament into 11 periods with 12 critical events. And then we're going to look at those 11 periods and those 12 critical events. Then we're going to come back and integrate the books of the Bible into that historical thread of the Old Testament. When I studied Old Testament in seminary, and I think this is the normal way they did it most seminaries, you learned an outline of Genesis, you learned an outline of Exodus, you learned an outline of Leviticus, an outline of Numbers, and so on, and you got through Malachi, you had some good outlines of every book, but you didn't have, and I didn't have, after four years at college, or three years at college, uh, and after about seven years postgraduate study in seminary with my doctor's degree, I had no real grasp of the historical thread of the Old Testament. And I dare say there are a lot of them that come out of seminary. When I came here, this is the way you study it. Outline of Genesis, outline of Exodus, and so on. But there was no grasp. So after being here about two or three years, I switched the Critical period. Primeval, or preparatory, 
triangle, patriarchal, exodus, wilderness, contest, judges, united kingdom, single kingdom, uh, uh, united kingdom, divided kingdom, single kingdom, exile, restoration. Eleven kingdoms. And those eleven periods are divided by twelve physical events. One at the beginning, one at the end. Then after we did that, then we would come back and fit into the each of these periods, such as the prime evil period, Genesis one to eleven. Then we would fit in the major events, prime evil, whatever. Well, creation one through Genesis one through the fall of man, Genesis three. The period between the fall of man and the flood, Genesis 4 and 5. The flood, Genesis 6 to 9. The table of nations, Genesis 10. The power of Babel, which precedes, which gives us the reason for the table of nations in Genesis 10. The, 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 the power of Babel in Genesis 11. And then that genealogical background, Abraham. That's the primeval period. Then we come over secondly to the patriarchal period. Genesis 12 40. What do we have there? Begins with the call of Abraham. It ends with the descent of Jacob down into Egypt. And what do we have in that period? Well, simply four men Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Then we come to the Egyptian period. Exodus 1 12. And we fit in the, uh, the, the events of that Exodus period. Uh, which include uh, <clears throat> their being down in Goshen and their slavery in Goshen, the call of the leader Moses, the ten plagues, and the exodus of Israel out of the land of Egypt. That's the period of Exodus. Then we come to the wilderness, 40 years. Genesis 12 to Deuteronomy chapter 40. What do we put in there? Well, we put in there the journey from Egypt down to Mount Sinai, Exodus 12 to 20. Then we put at Sinai the law and the tabernacle and the ritual, Exodus 20 to Numbers 11. Then we put the movement from Sinai up to Kadesh Barnea and unbelief. And then we put in... Uh, the sec how they made that trip 40 years and eventually made the trip down the eastern side of the Jordan and there was given all the book of Deuteronomy. That is the wilderness period. Then we do the same thing with the conquest. And then with the judges. And then the great turning point in Israel's history, the choice of the first king, Saul, and the beginning of the monarchy, which runs from about 1050 to 586 B.C. and includes the divide, uh, the single king, uh, the United Kingdom, Saul, David, and Solomon. Then they split two kingdoms, Shead, divided kingdom, and then the northern kingdom was taken away into exile, never to return. See, lost, except the Garner Ted, Armstrong. See, lost. We don't know where they are. And then the continuance of the southern kingdom. Now. <clears throat> We're going to do that in just a minute. Look at that a little more carefully. Need to do uh, perhaps one more thing uh, before we move on. We did this last time, and we ended with this last time somewhat. But I could see looking at the men that some of their 
uh, their eyes were getting glazy. And uh, what we need to do is to find out how do we determine Old Testament chronology. Now, I went over that briefly last time. Let me look at that once again just briefly. How do we get Old Testament chronology? Well, we don't start at Genesis 1 because nobody knows the dates of Genesis 1. The problem we have in the Old Testament, of course, as we do somewhat in the New Testament, is that all dating in the Old Testament and all dating in, old, in, in the secular history of that day was relative. It was in the year of King um, Barzabel. It was in the year of King David. It was in the year of King um, Solomon, whatever it was. It wasn't 1950 B.C. That type of chronology was not introduced until uh, a monk in the 6th century A.D. introduced it. A monk who was also an astronomer introduced our modern system of chronology. Up to that time, they dated events differently. So when we come to the Old Testament, we don't have anything that says 450 B.C. or 725 B.C. So how do we get it? Well, you remember last time that uh, we pointed out that the Babylonians used what is called an eponym system of dating. That is, they dated each year by the name of an outstanding person, often a king. That was the eponym system of dating. And every different date, every different year, had the new name of an outstanding person or an outstanding king. Now, we know that in a certain, uh, the archaeologists know that in the middle of the 8th century, about 745, there was a certain king and they also know that in that year there was a, an eclipse, and the scientists know that that eclipse took place uh, 743, 745 B.C. They know that. Now, don't put that date down because it's 745 or 743, something like that. My memory slips me right now. They put that date down. That was for sure because the eclipse took place at that time. They knew that. Now, they then went up and down those eponym in them lists of the Babylonian kings from about 980 B.C. all the way down to about 550 B.C. And they found an event in these eponym lists that was the same as a king in Israel. So they nailed down that one point in Israel's history. It was about 800 and uh, 55, 873 B.C. Then all they had to do was take that king, it was Ahab, in his death by Shalmaneser III. And they took that, and they, how many years did Ahab uh, reign? Well, let's say 12 years. So they added 12 to, let's say, 850, and they got 862 B.C. Then they got Abraham's, uh, Ahab's predecessor, the king before him, and they added his 18 years. And then they got the one ahead of him, and they added his 12 years or 10 years or 8 years. And they got back to Jeroboam, who was the man that split the kingdom. They had a civil war, just like we did. Only the north revolted against the south, number one, and the revolt was successful. And it took place after Solomon died. From that time on, there were two kingdoms, and that's why it gets a little sticky and a little difficult in Old Testament, because you have two kingdoms and two kings, 
and two series of prophets running from 1 Kings 12 on to 2 Kings 25. You have these two sets. It's a little difficult to keep them clear. But we got back now to 930 B.C. And whether men are liberals or conservatives, they all agree that Solomon died and the kingdom split about 930 or 931 B.C., give or take a year. 930 B.C. Now, we know, we know from 1 Kings chapter 11, about verse 41, 42, we know that Solomon reigned how many years? Forty years. David reigned how many years? And Saul reigned how many years? Forty years. So we know that, 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 that Solomon reigned. We're back, we're back up here to Solomon. Solomon died in 930 B.C. 930 B.C. We know he reigned for uh, 40 years, so we're back to 970 B.C. Now, there are two very important dates in the Old Testament, two period uh, time frames in the Old Testament. And everybody, you ought to mark these down somewhere. If your mind is excellent, mark it down your mind. But if yours is like mine, you'll forget it in five minutes. So you better mark it down somewhere else. One of them is 1 Kings 6, 1, and the other one is Exodus 12, 40. Now, you need to mark those down somewhere. 1 Kings 6, 1, and Exodus 12, 40. Now, let's go to those. First of all, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. First Kings chapter 6, verse 1. Now, we went over the Old Testament book, so we ought not to have any difficulty finding First Kings, should we? Right. Give me a little help here, will you? All right. First Kings chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is what is called the first long date or the second long date, whichever way you're going. If you're going forward, it's the second. If you're going back, it's the first. The first long date in the Bible, this needs to be nailed down. 1 Kings 6, 6, 1. And it came to pass in the what year? What is it? Say it again. What year? 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt. That is 480 years after the Exodus. That was the same as what year in the reign of Solomon? Fourth year. All right, Solomon began reigning 970. You take off minus 4, what do you get? 966 B.C. So, we take that 966 B.C. and... and and we run it like this, or if I could use the red pen, we've got 966 B.C., and we have to run it back. How many years? 480 years. All right, now let's take 480 and add to that 966. What do we get? We get 6, 4, carry 1, 1446. So what is the year of the Exodus in Exodus chapter 12? 1446. B.C. That's when Moses led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. 
1546 B.C. Now, when they went out of the land of Egypt and went into the wilderness, how long were they in the land of, how long were they in the wilderness? Forty years. All right, so they're in the wilderness from 1446 B.C., and we take off uh, 40, and they're in the wilderness, and Moses died in 1406 B.C., and Joshua began to invade the land of Canaan in 1406 B.C., 1406. Now, that's the first long day. From the fourth year of Solomon's reign, which the fourth year is 966 B.C., back to 480 years, back to 1446 B.C. That's the first long day. 1446, what is that? The date of what? What is that? The date of George Washington cut down the cherry tree? Come on, what is it now? The date of the Exodus. That's the date they left out of Egypt to go to Canaan. The date of the Exodus. What is it? 1446 B.C. It's 480 years after, after the fourth year of Solomon's reign. Now you're going to pick up some Old Testament history books to say that's not correct. What they're going to say is that uh, that secular history tends to lead us, archaeology tends to lead us to believe that there's a late date of the Exodus and some evangelicals and some evangelical schools take a date of about 1295 or 1225 for the date of the Exodus. How do they do it? By not accepting 1 Kings 6.1. They say that's a symbolic number, which is a very easy way to slip out of something, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Bob Hope did it for 30 years, 39. He stayed at age 39. That was a symbolic number for about 30 years. So what they say is it's symbolic. No, it's not. It's straight, literal, 480 years. No reason not to take it. If I accept the verbal inspiration of the Bible, see, some men say, some evangelicals today, that the Bible is inspired, but it's not inerrant. That's what the debate is today. It's inspired, but not inerrant. There are a few mistakes here or there. This is one of them. We're not to take this literally. See, this is not, we're to round it out. Well, you know it's hard to round out uh, 480 years down to about 225 years, but that's what they have to do to round it out. If you take that literal, if you take it literal, everybody agrees that Solomon died at 930. Everybody agrees that he reigned 40 years, 970. 40 years after that, 966, and that's, 480 years after the Exodus, 1446 B.C. Now, the second long date is this. How long was Egypt in, how long was Israel in the land of Egypt? Now, that's the second long date, and you need to mark it down. Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. Here's the second long day. Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. And uh, you, you find the same problem here you find the other one. There's some men that take this. They, some men that believe that the Bible, as I do, 
is inerrant. It makes no mistake, and the Bible is true here. And some men say, well, no, this is, uh, you know, a lot of people don't believe in liberal seminaries that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. Moses didn't write the Pentateuch. Who wrote it? Well, several people wrote it. Four or five people wrote it. Somebody in the 8th century B.C. got the various parts of the Pentateuch together. J-E-T-D, at least four documents, and wove them together wove them together almost in a miraculous form so that nobody for about 2,000, 2,200 years ever thought that they were woven together like this. So it was a mastermind that wove them together. Wove them together. Put the name of Moses here. Now that's the liberal approach to the Pentateuch. That's called the documentary hypothesis. Now if that's true, of course, then the Old Testament, the first five books, obviously can have many mistakes in them. Well, we don't believe that. And Bible-believing evangelicals don't believe that. And the reason we don't believe it is that Jesus Christ put his seal of approval on the Mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch. I can't have my cake and eat it too. Either got to accept the deity of Jesus, that he's God, and accept what he said about the Old Testament. Or, if I reject the Mosaic authorship, and I reject one Isaiah, and I reject Jonah and a lot of these other things, then I also got to reject the deity of Jesus. I can't have my cake and eat it too. I believe in verbal inspiration, and I believe that the numbers in the Bible are accurate, and they're to be, uh, to be taken just as we take figures, numbers uh, today. All right, Exodus 12, verse 40, the second one. Exodus 12, verse 40. Verse 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was how many years? 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the same day it came to pass, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt, tonight to be much observed unto the Lord, for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed in all the of Israel in their generation. So, the next step we do is to take 430 and add that 430, 446, add that 430 to 446, we get 6, 7, 8, 1. So, the date of the Exodus, Genesis 46, when Jacob took all of his family down there, that date is 1876 B.C. 1876 B.C. That's the date when Jacob, in Genesis chapter 46, took all of his family and went down into the land of Egypt. Genesis 46, about the last three verses of Genesis, 46, that's the descent into Egypt, 1876 B.C. How long were they in Egypt? How long? 430 years. How do we know? Exodus 1240. Now, now we're back to about Genesis 46 to, uh, Genesis 46 to 50, right in through there. Now, how do we get back to that? Well, 
we find out that when, are you all listening? When, when Jacob went down into Egypt, he was 130 years old. 130. When, when uh, Isaac gave birth to Jacob, Genesis 25, Isaac was 60 years old. When Abraham gave birth to Isaac, Abraham was 100 years old. So we add this, you get 9, 290, 290 years. Now we take that 1876, 290, and add that, and this is what we get, 2166. What is that date? Well, 2166 is the birth of Abraham, the birth of Abraham. 2166 is the birth of Abraham. Abraham lived 100 years, gave birth to Isaac. Isaac lived 60 years, gave birth to Jacob. Jacob was 130 when he went into Egypt. 130 when he went into Egypt was 1876. So we simply add these three dates, and we get back to 2166, the birth of Abraham. 2166 B.C. Now let's take our Bible. Turn over to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Now that ought not to be hard to discover because that's the first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, that is, way out of, out of Ur of the Chaldees, way down here. Get out of Ur of the Chaldees. Leave your country down here, Ur of the Chaldees. Get out of thy country and from thy kindred, father's house, unto a land, Canaan, Palestine, that I will show thee. I'll make of thee a great nation. I'll bless thee. Make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was, how old? Seventy-five years old. When he departed out of Haran, Abraham took Sarah's wife, Lot his brother, all they had. They got in Canaan. Haran, they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. How old was Abraham when he came into the land of Canaan? Seventy-five. So Genesis, you take 2166, if you're still following, subtract 75, and you get 102091. 2091. And that's the call of Abraham in Genesis 12. 2091. That's the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. 2091. Now, that's, he was 75. 75 years, 75 years old. Uh, about... Um, uh, 25 years later, he gave birth at 100 to Jacob. So we take 25 off of that, and we get 6, and we get uh, 
2066. What's that? That's the birth of Jacob. And Jacob was 60 years old when he gave birth to Isaac. So he takes 60 off of 2066, and we get 2006, and that's the birth of Jacob. That's how we get those dates. Abraham born 2166. He came into Canaan 75 years later, 2091 B.C. He gave birth to Isaac at 2066, and Isaac gave birth to Jacob at 2006 B.C. That's Genesis 25, 2066 B.C. And then 130 years later, Jacob went into Egypt and that's 1876 B.C. Now that's how we get our Old Testament chronology. Now there are a few problems with that. I don't want to make it sound quite as simple as that. But 90% of the problems are overcome if I accept the inerrancy of the Bible. And that's based, this chronology is based first on nailing down the death of Solomon, 930 B.C. Everybody's agreed to that. Secondly, it's based on how long Solomon reigned, 40 years. Everybody's agreed to that, 970 B.C. Then third, it's based on two long dates, 1 Kings 6, 1, 480 years, and Exodus 12, 40, that's 430 years. And we're back to 1876 B.C., then all we have to do, 1876 B.C., is add how long, how long Jacob lived, or how old he was when he went into when he went into Egypt, 130, and how old he, how old Isaac was when he gave birth to Jacob, and how old Abraham was, and we get back to 2166, the birth, 2166, the birth of Abraham. 2091, the call of Abram into the land of Canaan. 2066, the birth of Isaac. And 2006, the birth of Jacob. Now, what do we do that? And then when we go from, from Solomon down to the end of the Old Testament, now are you all looking here and following me? From then on, it's not difficult. From then on, when we get Solomon 930, we simply take the kings and add those years. And we get back to 586 B.C. 586 B.C. is the Babylonian captivity. And we know the Babylonian captivity took, took, took place in 586. And you say, how do we know that? We know that because it says it was in the 18th, 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar. We know from Old Testament, from secular history, that Nebuchadnezzar began reigning in 605 B.C. and 19, subtracted from 605, gives us 586 B.C. That's when the Babylonians finally destroyed the city of Jerusalem and finally destroyed the temple and Israel has never been an independent state since then until 1947 A.D. 586 
they ceased being an independent state in the destruction of the city and the temple. And even though they returned, they were always under foreign oppression, whether it was Syria or Greece or Rome, always under foreign oppression until 1947 A.D. when the state of Israel was once again built. Now, what about going back from Genesis? Um, here's Genesis 12. What do we do when we go back from Genesis 12, which is the call of Abram, 2091 B.C., going back to Genesis 12 to Genesis 1? What about that? Well, then we run into some problems. And we are going to perhaps touch on these next week because next week we're going to study Genesis 1 to 11. Now, what are the problems we run into? And you don't really need to write anything down because you're going to look at it once again next week. Unless you plan A, not to be here, see, or plan B, that you plan to fall asleep. So uh, if, if assuming those two are not correct, how do we get back there? Well, there are problems. First one is in, in Genesis uh, chapter 11. It says uh, John lived so long and begat Ma Ma uh, uh, Samuel, and Samuel lived so long and begat uh, uh, Jacob, and Jacob lived so long and begat Methuselah, not Methuselah, but uh, Jonah or something like that, see. Now, that word begat can mean became the ancestor of. So the question we ask is, are there any gaps? We know in Matthew's genealogy, in Matthew chapter 1, we know that Matthew skips over three generations. We know that comparing it to the Old Testament. Now, that's not a mistake. That's not a mistake. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, they skip over several generations. Jesus Christ, the son of David, that skips a thousand years right there. The son of Abraham, that skips another thousand years. Now, that's not a mistake in the Bible. That's simply the way they constructed biblical genealogy. Are there any gaps? Genesis 11. Then we come to Genesis 5, and we have the same thing. We have this man lived 870 years. He had children. He died. This man lived. Are there any gaps to know? Some men say they are. Some men put 100,000 years in those gaps. I don't think that's possible. I think it may be possible to put a few years, but not 100,000. Then the third problem we face is, how long are those days in Genesis 1? Are those 24-hour days, or are they long periods of time? Now, they're Bible believers, men who are committed to the inerrancy of Scripture who are divided in this opinion. Some men believe they're 24-hour days. Some men, like uh, uh, one of our former board members, uh, after whom that Thomas H. Allen generating plan is named, Major Allen, Major Allen was very strong on the days being long periods of time. He wrote a little book on it. I don't think he ever wrote any other book. He wrote a little book on that, on the long periods of time. They were not literal days. Well, now we know that's a use in the Old Testament. How long is the day of the Lord? 1,000 years millennium, seven years tribulation. 
The day of the Lord is at least a thousand and seven years. Every dog has its day. So a day doesn't necessarily have to be 24 hours. Some men believe it's a long period of time. When General Harrison, who signed the Korean Peace Treaty, and who was a devout Christian and chairman of the board of Dallas Theological Seminary, was with us many years ago, I discussed with him on the way to the airport, and we went the long way because I wanted to ask him some problems. We went by way of Fraser and Millington, and uh, we took about two hours. And I asked him, uh, how long do you believe? What's your view of Genesis 1? Well, he believed that the days were 24 hours, but that between those days, morning and evening, there could have been a long period of time. So there's quite a bit of diversity of opinion. I, and then there are others who believe that, there's a, that the days are 24 hours, but there's a great gap between verse 1 and verse 3. The old Schofield reference Bible was committed to that. Uh, old Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse was committed to that. Dr. Schaefer, the president of the seminary I attended, was committed to that. That is a long, that's called the gap theory, the gap theory. I'm not inclined to that. You say, what are you? Well, I'll let you know at the end of the course. See? But uh, I tend to take the days in Genesis 1 as literal days. And I tend to think that this creation is a recent creation. Most of these attempts to get long days or to put a gap is to adjust to the findings of science. And the findings of science and the theory of evolution is based on the dogma of uniformitarianism. And Peter condemns the dogma of uniformitarianism long before it was constructed by Darwin in 2 Peter chapter 3. And the floods may have knocked all the time clocks, salt deposits, carbon tests for dating, all, knocked all those in the cocked hat, so we have no real way of determining the age of this earth and universe. Now, I, when I, even when I was in junior high school, 8th and ninth and the 10th grade, I used to wonder, well, now, that light ray's been traveling for 15,000 years. If God created that light ray and it was just created up there, just starting, and not down on the earth, already touching, then this universe is at least 15,000 years old. But that's assuming that God did not create the universe with age written into it. Did he or did he not? There's only one place that we know whether or not God created this world with age built into it. Now, do you know what I mean? With maturity built into it. Created it full-blown. Adulthood. And the only place we know is Adam and Eve. How did God create Adam and Eve? Little infants or mature adults? Mature adults, didn't he? How do we know then that God didn't create this earth with the coal already in it? And the rings already in the trees? And the diamonds already in deposits? And the light rays already striking the earth? If he did, if God created this world with age already built into it, then these time clocks are of no value in determining the age of the universe. Now, 
We don't know for sure. Nobody knows for sure. Did he uh, create uh, this universe with age built into it, or did he not? Well, you can believe either way. If you want to be right, you'll believe he built it with age in it. <laughs> but the matter of fact is we simply don't know. Now, that's the chronology of the Old Testament. You can say my mind is kind of, you know, it's boggling around. I'd rather go back to statistics. My mind is bogging around. It will be. I hope you wrote some of that down. And today, while it's fresh in your mind, go back and review it. Because once you get it in mind, and I didn't get this in mind, didn't work it out so long after I graduated from seminary. But once you get this in mind, once you nail this down, then it won't be difficult. The key is the death of Solomon and the two long dates in the Old Testament and the ages of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Once you get those down, you can uh, get Old Testament chronology. Now, for the rest of the period, we've got about 15 minutes. What I would like to do is to take a survey of Old Testament history. Now, uh, I thought I'd put all this on a blackboard, and last night I worked a couple of hours and put this out of my notes, and when I looked at that, I said, I'll spend 10 hours trying to get that across, uh, you know. So I said, I'm just going to go ahead and photostat that. So when I got here this morning, Terry went downstairs and ran off about 100, 120 photostat copies of that thing which I drew up last night, and that's going to save me from doing it the more. Now, let's look at this very quickly and cover this. And, and to make it a little easier, because this uh, line won't pull all the way over, let me ask, uh, uh, let me pull this over this way. You know, one time I took this board and put it up, uh, I got a couple of men to help me, and we put it up on top of that, uh, of this platform. And we got it up there. We found that it was about six inches. Six inches. I think you helped me, Mr. Mizell. We found it was about six inches too long for the platform. So the poor man had to stand for 45 minutes and hold this up. See? <laughs> Do you know what happened after that? I took a whole year for Mr. Mizell to get back sitting on the front seat again. But let's take a minute and look at this outline. And that's what you got on this, on this board. And I think it will be a little easier if I can... Now, this, hopefully, I've tried to do two things. I've tried to make it so that the people in the first uh, 12 rows can read it very easily. And then, secondly, made it hard enough so that the men that sit on the back row will move up next Friday. See, so, but I hope you can all see that. Tom, can you see that? All right. Now, I divide the Old Testament into 12 periods. Primeval, patriarchal, Egyptian, Wilderness, conquest, judges, united kingdom, single, divided kingdom, single kingdom, exile, and restoration. And <clears throat> each one of those periods is preceded and concluded by a critical event. So let's look first at the critical event. First critical event, going right through Old Testament history, 
from Genesis to Nehemiah, the 17 historical books. First critical event is the creation of the world. That's obvious. Genesis 1 and 2, the creation of the world. That's Genesis 1. And you've got that on the outline. Isn't that right? Is that on the outline? Genesis 1. No, I mean this chart. Way up the top. You follow over the chart, you get the outline, the chart, and, and the date. See, and you've got some question marks because we don't know. Genesis 1. The second critical event, at least that surrounds the period, is the call of Abram. And Abram left Ur of the Chaldees. The territory of Genesis 1 to 11 is this uh, Mesopotamian area. Abraham came out of Ur of the Chaldees. And the and Genesis 1 to 11, this, uh, we don't know where the Garden of Eden is located. Nobody knows. Probably somewhere up here in what we would call today Iran in that area, perhaps, perhaps. But this Mesopotamian area, Genesis 1 to 11, then God called Abraham to come out, and he did, he came on down to Canaan. And that gives us our second period. And from Genesis 12 to Genesis 50, we have four great men. Who are those four great men? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they are called patriarchs. Patriarchs. So we have the second period is the patriarchal period. Then you remember that uh, in about Genesis 38, Joseph is sold down into slavery. He goes down there, put in prison. After many years, he's brought out of prison, made prime minister of Egypt. There's a famine in the land of Canaan. You recall the story. And eventually, Joseph said, tell, reveals himself to his brothers, and he says to his brothers, who were scared stiff, don't be afraid. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Go get my daddy back in the land of Canaan. Bring my daddy and all of his family back down here to Egypt. So they went back and brought Jacob down, and that's the descent into Egypt, D-E-S-C the descent into Egypt, and that took place in 1876 B.C., the descent into Egypt. And that, uh, that ends the second period. That's Genesis 12 to the end of Genesis, let's say, Genesis 50. really took place in Genesis 46. Then <clears throat> the next period we have is the Egyptian period. And that runs from the descent down into Egypt under Jacob until the exodus out of Egypt. And how long, Exodus 1240, how long were they in the land of Egypt? 430 years. 430 years. That's the Egyptian period. I like to call it the period of gestation. See, the period of gestation. The nation was conceived in the call of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. But they went down only a small tribal family into Egypt, put into the land of Goshen. God gave to the women supernatural, apparently supernatural powers of conception. They had large children, large numbers of children. And when they left, 430 years later, there were over 2 million 
two million people. They went down as a small family. They came out as a nation. And this period is what I call the period of gestation. When they are born as a nation and coming out of the land of Egypt. Then when they get out of the land of Egypt, which is Exodus chapter 12, until the book of uh, the end of, uh, uh, until Joshua chapter 1, 40 years, they're in the wilderness. They didn't need to spend all that time in the wilderness, but you recall they disbelieved God at what place is that? Kadesh. So they spent one year for every day they were up there looking out the land. God judged them. So they spent an additional 38 years, 40 years in the wilderness. <clears throat> now, the Exodus was in 1446, so the entrance into Canaan was 1406. And, and that's the wilderness period, 1446 to 1406. 1406, Moses died. 1406, Joshua took over as a leader. Then, you recall, Soon after Joshua died, God said to uh, and Moses died. God said to Joshua, "Go on in, take the land, invade it." And so they went in, and in three swift camp military campaigns—one in the middle, one in the south, one in the north—Joshua captured the strategic cities of Palestine, and then left it up to the tribes themselves to chase out all the Canaanites which they didn't do. And Joshua died. When Joshua died, let's say about 1380, then begins the period of Judges. And the period of Judges runs from 1380 down to the choice of the first king, 1050. Now, how do we get that choice, the first king, 1050? Well, when did Solomon die? What was that date? 950 B.C. Solomon reigned 40 years. David reigned 40 years. Saul reigned 40 years. That gives us 40, 40, 40, 120. So we add 120 to 950, we get 1050 B.C. Now, this is a very critical turning point in history because this begins the monarchy. This begins the monarchy. And from now on, for the next almost five years, hundred years right here we have the period of the monarchy monarch the kingdom in the book of judges we have the 12 tribes they all go their separate ways so to speak the 12 tribes but now first samuel chapter 8 the people come to samuel and said you're old your children are godless we want to be like all the other nations round about us we want a king. And, and Samuel said, no, no, no. In asking for that, you're rejecting the divine king, God. Well, we want it anyway. So Samuel went to prayer. And God said, give them a king. They re remember, remember, Samuel, they were not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So let them choose a king. But remember now, remember, he's going to do two things. Two things. He's going to institute military draft and he's going to tax you till your head swim. Does that sound familiar? All right. Now he said he's going to do that. And it's exactly 
what he did. So they chose the first king, Solomon. And he reigned 40 years. Then, then Solomon's son, David. They chose David, not Solomon's son. They chose David. Solomon was rejected. They chose David. And David solidified all that great empire. And the greatest empire of the day was that, was that Solomonic empire which David gave to his son, Solomon. And David solidified it. He was a man of war, great general. And he solidified the whole kingdom. And his, the men that <coughs> served under him loved David. They'd give their lives. You remember they went into an enemy camp to get David a drink of water. They loved him so much. He was capable of motivating. He was a great man, a great man of God despite his faults. He died 970 B.C. His son, Solomon, took over. And Solomon reigned for 40 years. Now that's the period of the United Kingdom from 1050 uh, 10, uh, 10, uh, to 930. 1050 to 930 B.C. That is called the United Kingdom. All 12 tribes are united under one king. Now, after Solomon died, if you look here now, <clears throat> so I can tell it a little quicker. After Solomon died, the ten northern tribes came to uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And they said to Rehoboam, Rehoboam, there are two things we want to complain about. Taxation without representation. First, all the kings come from the south. We ten tribes aren't represented. Capitals down the south. All the representations of the South, the kings are from the South. We'd like a little representation. And secondly, Rehoboam, our, now does this sound modern? Our tax burden is too heavy. Lay off. So, Rehoboam backed off. First, he called in all the old men. And he said, what'll I do? And the old men said, Lay off, reduce their taxes, get some representation from the north. Then he got the boys he went to where? Oxford with, see, wherever he went. He got those boys, see, they'd never been in business. They're young boys, about 22 years of age. And they said, Solomon, you tell them, you tell them that your finger, little finger, is going to be heavier than your daddy's thigh. That if you think, tell them, that my daddy taxed you, see, I'm going to tax and spend even more. So, about six days later, he called in those representatives from the north, and he told them, my little finger is going to be heavier than my daddy's thigh. Make up your mind, I'm going to tax you more. Well, Jeroboam was the leader. So Jeroboam said, to thy tents, O Israel. And you had a civil war, only it was the north that revolted against the south, and the revolt was successful. And the kingdom was divided. And from that time on, for the next period, the divided kingdom, from about 930 to 721 B.C., for about 200 years, 930 to 721 B.C., you have two kingdoms that run parallel. The two tribes down the south called Judah and the ten tribes in the north called Israel. 
And when you come to study of Kings and Chronicles, that's 1 Kings 12, you read about one king here, another king here, one king here, another king here, and that's why it's hard. They're two nations and two capitals of worship and two kings and two people, divided kingdom. Now, God sent his prophets again and again to warn them against idolatry, but they didn't obey God, didn't listen to God. So finally, God sent in, God sent in a great power called Assyria, not Syria, Assyria, Assyria. And Assyria came on in, Assyria's capital was Nineveh, and Assyria came on over, they had all this land, came on down into Palestine, and in 721 B.C., Assyria took the ten tribes, the people of the ten tribes, out of the land of Israel and repopulated them in Asia Minor and in the Fertile Crescent. Then, 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 the Assyrians, who were astute politicians, took these other people, these Gentiles, from all these northern nations and brought them down into the land of the Ten Kings, northern Israel, and got them to intermarry. And that's the origin of the Samaritans, of whom we read in the New Testament. And that took place in 721 B.C. So, from now on, you've just got one kingdom, the single kingdom, that is capital of Judah. God sent his prophets again and again and again. Look at Israel. They fell into idolatry. They didn't heed the prophets. Don't be like them. But, although there were two or three revivals, they also fell into idolatry. So, God sent a second great power called Babylon. And Babylon came down in three invasions, 605, and took out a small group, including Daniel. 597 took out a second group, including Ezekiel. And then in 588 came down and laid siege for 18 months to the city of Jerusalem, 587 8 to 586 B.C., 18 months. Finally breached the walls, and they destroyed the walls of the city, and they destroyed the temple, and they took all the rest of the Jews except the very, very poor, and they took them all over to Babylon and placed them in Babylon. And Psalm 137, we put our harp, why don't you sing? We have nothing of which to sing down here in Babylon. We put our harps on a willow tree, weeping willow tree. We couldn't sing. There was one man that God used during this period to encourage us. One book. You know who that was? Daniel. 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 Then God in his providence, God in his providence uh, allowed the Persian king Cyrus, Cyrus, to defeat the Babylonians. And Babylon fell in October 538 B.C. And that, my friend, are you listening now? That's one of the three fulfillments of the curse that God put upon Canaan in Genesis 9. When Persia defeated the Babylonians. And one of the first things that Cyrus, the king, an ungodly man, probably an atheist, did, was he, perhaps Daniel went to him, took a Bible, and said, Cyrus, I want to show you something in the Bible. 
why your name is predicted over there in Isaiah uh, 45, 44, Cyrus, 100 years before you born. There it is, Cyrus. And it says that you're going to let us Jews go back to our land. And Cyrus was impressed by that. So Ezra chapter 1, Cyrus said, I'm going to make a decree that all the Jews that want to go back, back to Jerusalem can go on back to Jerusalem. And those that don't want to stay here, we're going to see that you get taxed heavy so your brethren can get on back. And so they return after the exile. That's the return here. They return in 536 and rebuilt the temple in 516. And we have what we call the period of restoration. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Zechariah, uh, ha uh, uh, Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi. And one becomes Nehemiah chapter 13. And one becomes Malachi chapter 4. We are through with the history of the Old Testament. So Genesis 1 through Nehemiah 13. Then, let me have about three minutes here. Then what we have to do is go back and get those poetical books. Job, well, Job's probably a contemporary of, of Abraham or Isaac or Joseph. Uh, Psalms, why, that's, that's, that's David. So the Psalms are here. And, so, and, and Proverbs, why, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, that's all, that's all here. Then all the other prophets begin about the middle of the divided kingdom to the exile. That's Isaiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, not Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Isaiah, down to Zephaniah. And then in the exile, Daniel, and then the last three books in the post-exilic period restoration, Zechariah, Haggai, Malchus.